Coming up on episode 96 of Appetite for Distortion, our exclusive interview with Doug Grion, the longtime writing partner of Scott Weiland. Scott Weiland solo, Stone Temple Pilots, Velvet Revolver, you will hear untold stories from Doug, his first time speaking publicly since the passing of his friend Scott. Also in Shotgun News, we're going to talk about the new Richard Fortas interview and oh so much more. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando episode, I got to check this, 96, 96 episodes of talking about Guns N' Roses and Guns N' Roses related topics. I I couldn't be doing this without uh, all of you listening. So whether you found us through AlternativeNation.net, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Social media, if you just follow us on Facebook or Twitter and you don't bother listening to these shows, but you still follow me anyway, I appreciate it. Uh, very cool. Um, the show has been going on since right before Not In This Lifetime, and this is our first show since Not In This Lifetime finally ended, uh, and we're going to keep going. We'll see what Guns N' Roses uh, is going to do, and that's we'll talk more about that in Shotgun News. And, of course, we're going to talk to our guest today, Doug Grion. I think that's how you pronounce it, other Doug. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think it's Grion. So uh, today, well, we'll just call you Doug for now because that's your name. But when we have Doug Grion uh, on later, uh, in just a few moments, um, you know, he's worked with Scott Weiland extensively, solo, SDP, Velvet Revolver, uh, other acts like Cindy Lauper, Cheryl Crow. Uh, but we're going to talk to him not just about, well, his first time uh, since Scott's passing. This is his first conversation about it, or at least publicly, which I really... I appreciate and did not realize when I reached out. I really didn't. So the fact that he was really rather receptive to it. And he's like, oh, as long as I can uh, plug my my new sci-fi series, my web series. And of course, because I always help everybody out who comes on if they have something to, to plug or promote. Uh, but then I watched it. Uh, it's called Starman. We're going to talk more about that with, with Doug Rion. But other Doug is on the line with us. Uh, do you just want me to call you that, or do you, is it? I I, I, I missed <laughs> I messed up your your last name last time. It's McCausland. It's uh, McCausland. McCausland. Oh, McCaus in oh. effect. Got it. I think McCausland is also technically uh, acceptable, but uh, it just annoys me. Okay. <laughs> so McCausland. Well, I appreciate um, we agreed to your on air name at least for this episode is Other Doug, and this is your second time doing radio and your first time. There was another Doug on there as well. <laughs> Too many Dougs. Yeah. It was a Stephen King podcast. Um, it's called uh, Stay Out of Maine. Check it out. Uh, but, yeah, there's another Doug in there. And uh, it's just made for – this is going to be another confusing uh, – you know what? Just call me McCausland. How about that? McCausland? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. It sounds like a hockey player. McCausland yeah. and Doug Grian. Okay. That, that works. So McCausland. Um, yeah. You're, you're here today as a recommendation from our, our friend Brett Buchanan – 
uh, some people's enemies, but he's nice to me, so I'm fine with him. Uh, AlternativeNation.net. Brett, Brett is the Vince McMahon of the uh, um, alternative music scene. He is. If you know him, he's a nice guy. But I guess if you're looking on the outside, you're like, this evil bastard. <laughs> you're fired! <laughs> but he gets it. He, you know, he plays up to it. Uh, but I, I told him, because he's a huge STP fan, and I told him I was going to interview Doug, and he suggested you. And... I mean, I think it worked out even better than I had thought because uh, you freelance for Alternative Nation and other rock outlets, right? Uh, yeah, I... Alternative Nation, uh, you know, just a few other rock and literary websites, actually. Um, I was on What Culture for a little bit. Uh, I've done some uh, stuff for Delray, um, reviewing-wise, printed on, the, on some of their Star Wars books. Uh, I, got, I got a little bit of a thing going on <laughs> well it's gonna be cool because uh you uh the two dogs are going to have because you know his sci-fi web series we're going to talk about you are uh just published or looking to publish you just finished your first graphic novel and you're trying to I guess, right. shop it trying to get some uh some artists to work with but you have like the script you were telling me yeah i have um a 180 page script um it's wow. called Hellmax. um actually just like doug grayon's uh, web series, Starman, the series, main character is sort of influenced by Scott Weiland. And, you know, he's, it's, it's a composite of a few different figures, Scott, uh, John Lennon. Um, I want to say actually Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses, his hmm. autobiography was a big influence on me. Oh, wow. Actually, um, I just thought I was reading his autobiography. It's so easy. And I was like, wow, this would be a, this would be a really great movie. Like if I did a Guns N' Roses movie, I think, Duff McHagan should be the protagonist. Mm. Like, he, he kind of has that little hero's journey, like, style going on in his book. But, yeah, that all sort of influenced my character. Right on. It's about a prison break taking place in hell. And, I, I uh, like it. That sounds like a movie. So, uh, no, I, I think that's awesome. And, you know, that's why I said I think it worked out better than I thought because, you know, because uh, you, you, you've seen SDP a few times in the Wildabouts because Doug was the lead, uh, lead guitarist of that band. I know um, you said you had a brief encounter with Scott before, I mean, shortly before he passed. Uh, I did. I never really got to meet Scott before. Um but I did have a encounter with him. It was in the streets of um, Montclair, New Jersey. Um, the day he was playing there at the Walmart with the Wildabouts, uh, I saw him. It's um, kind of I was walking down the street. And it was like dark out. He had sunglasses and a hoodie on. I think he was trying to be inconspicuous. You know, I tried talking to him. He didn't, which is you know I don't I don't hold it against him. You know, I know he was going through at the time. Um, but that night it was just a great show because he was having sort of a very, um, tumultuous 2015. Um, and his live performances were sort of dwindling at that point. But then, uh, I saw this show, this was November, I think November 29th of 2015. And I was thinking, wow, you know, this is great. He just really picked himself up. I'm really happy for him. You know, uh, I hope he really like picks up and, you know, pushes forward, has a better 2016. Sadly, he uh, passed away four days later. I, I, I tell you, I mean, and I'll say this to Doug in a few minutes. Uh, you know, I, I was in, I think, middle school when, when Kurt Cobain died. I mean, I was very conscious of it. You know, I was an early grunge fan growing up as a kid, but 
as I, you know, getting older and really comprehending and, and, and experiencing my own death and family, for some reason, Scott's really hit me. Like, I didn't want to believe it, uh, even though a lot of people felt, unfortunately, he was going down that route and unfortunately were proven uh, right to a degree. Uh, but I, I didn't believe it because I, I remember being uh, on the computer. Um, I think I was I was voice tracking for a long a Long Island station, so I was active on social media. And then when I read the first report, I'm like, "This no, th- th- these hoaxes happen all the time." I, I got to wait. And once it, you know, AP uh, started printing out news stories, and I was I was just heartbroken, and I still am. It was recently the, th- the uh, third anniversary, uh, I believe, of Scott's passing, and you see tweets from. And, and message, Instagram tweets, whatever, from Duff and Slash and, you know, uh, Matt Sorum. Right. And, and so it's going to be, uh, you know, we'll see where the conversation with Doug takes us. But uh, let's see what we can get to with uh, some shotgun news. And if we have to, if Doug calls in between, we'll, we'll finish up afterwards. But let's see what we can squeeze in. News. So I I don't know if this is news or not. I mean, I guess it is, but I love how the GNR faithful are a bunch of Debbie Downers, and I love you for that. Uh, Richard Fortas recently doing an interview with a St. Louis station, Kishi, K-S-H-E. I think I applied there years ago, back in my, my early days. Did not get the job. Uh, this is with host uh, Favez, Favaz. Sorry, I don't know. What the next thing might be? Yeah, we're going to try and you know, hope, try and do another record. Yay! Get it, get it out soon. Man, and, I hope uh, it's good, man. And then I just hope too. it's really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> man, how could it not be, though? The band's so great right now. I don't see uh, you guys rushing to do this thing. Am I um, correct? I, th- I think it will happen faster than you think. Really? Yeah. Wow. So maybe we could get... I sure hope it happens faster than yeah, you think. I bet. <laughs> I, I, could we get a new Guns N' Roses song by the end of 2019? It could definitely happen. Obviously, those things stand alone. It's like, wow, oh my God, this is happening. But he, whenever Richard has spoken, he has said similar similar things over the years. Uh, however, I, I got to think it's different this time around with Slash and Duff being involved. I just think... Right. So I... I I just take it as this is something's going to happen. Like the, with this band, we don't know when. I'd like to think before a Chinese democracy time bracket, you know, uh, that'll happen. We won't, we won't have to wait 17 years, but uh, I just take it for what it's worth. Maybe they'll do a split single of Tool. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the Tool has, has become the new Chinese democracy joke. Because that's that's what I would always get being a diehard GNR fan. Like, yeah, okay, Chinese democracy. <laughs> like, it was never going to happen. And, you know, eventually happened and people who wanted to hate it couldn't even hate it, even if they weren't as in love with it as some other fans were. But uh, but now, yeah, with Tool, I think Maynard says 2000, like next year. But who knows, man? Uh, I, I I remember a, a 10,000 days. I remember playing that on the radio for my first on-air job. So that's all. <laughs> it's been a while for no, Tool as well. No, they've actually meant like it's going to be 10,000 days until... Uh, the new record, right? <laughs> that might have been. That might have been it. Uh, something. I don't know how many? I don't know what that translates to in like years, but <laughs> I know. Well, it, it sounds large enough where I'm like, okay, sure. That sounds that that sounds like a lot of days. Um, and th- this is something I don't know how much you you paid attention to because uh, the copyright stuff that's been going on. I mean, if you're frequent on, you may be just aware of it if you post maybe videos. On your Instagram, if you see a concert, some things are flagged very quickly. Well, we had mm-hmm. like an incident here, and I uh, we talked about it a lot in, in an episode called "Copyright Democracy," 
and uh, Leaker's Revenge, where there were certain uh, GNR trolls uh, ex either expediting the copyright process to these uh, faceless protocols that YouTube has or iTunes have. Uh, but this one, I don't blame it on anyone specific. I, there's just something wrong with the, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or any of these sites, which I understand you can get sued. Copyright, it's a, it's a big thing. These companies don't want to go through lawsuits. But uh, last year, Guns N' Roses had a, a promotion, uh, send us a cover song. You know, on Twitter and used the hashtag GNR cover song on Twitter. So, I mean, if I could play an instrument, I would have done that. You know, maybe I could have played, you know, Estranged on the Kazoo and tried that or whatever. But a, a few fans uh, DM'd me, and it was specifically Estranged. And just now, it got removed from Twitter, the video. Which, with that, you get strikes and your, your account could be eventually taken down. That's the problem. You can have just the nuisance of reposting or not having a specific video, but when an, an account, your account is in danger, that, that can suck. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not like losing your family member, but it's all relative. So right. <laughs> if it's a GNR promotion, I just think it's very, it's, it's, they had estranged on in the background, and I get you can't have any part of the song. Uh, playing, but you know if you actually have a person and not a bot checking out these copyright, you know that Hello? it's a fan video. Yeah, no, hey Doug, we're just uh, casually gonna pick up the the phone. So I, I picked up and <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing a, a little preamble. We we call it shotgun news instead of just I don't know. It's like a fun little radio show. So we're I don't know Doug if you've ever dealt with uh, Doug Rion, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, am I pronouncing your last name right? First of all, before we get even yeah, okay. That's perfect. Grion, perfect. All right, because yeah. I'm. I think that I had. Right. I had a week to practice it, so I think we're, it, <laughs> it was good. How are you feeling, by the way? Are you feeling all right? I'm great. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Sorry about last week. That was really messed up. No, no. It was, if you were feeling ill, I, it's like completely understand. I am. Um, that's the beauty about podcasting, and we were just doing so like a new segment before you know we were hyping up Starman, talking about that, and uh, how also. Uh, other Doug, uh, yeah, because other Doug that we have on the line, and I, I told you about. I have to call you other Doug. That's the only way I can okay. do it. I'll accept it. Thank you. So other Doug, in addition to seeing you play a bunch of times, uh, he's also a sci-fi nerd. So we were, and then we were just wrapping up the news segment, which with the amount of work that in your resume, uh, Doug, you have to have experienced copyright or people ripping things off. Uh, in in your life, I don't know if has that ever become a problem for you. No, not really. Well, uh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> that was a lot more important back in the '90s and before. But once we started making music on computers, it's really hard to rip people off because there's timestamps, recorded data. Yeah, you can go back to. But if you you know you're ripping off something from the '80s, yeah, there's no data, you know, no timestamp, but. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the big thing is, like, leaking things. Like, if U2's new record got leaked, that would be really bad. But there's, you know, it's not that much. The way I look at copyright infringement is if somebody steals my song, the only way I'm ever going to know about it is if, it, if he makes a hit out of it. And if he makes a hit out of it, I hold into him forever because I'm going to sue him and get all the money. So, <laughs> no, I hear you. And uh, I'll just wrap up this part and we can get into our... Our conversation, I, I just appreciate, of course, you taking the time. But we were just talking about how um, 
the GNR did a, a promotion, a fan promotion last year where they asked fans to submit cover songs. And a year later, uh, they start getting removed. And it's just a weird, I guess uh, there's a weird copyright with fans because a lot of fan videos are taken down. No one trying to make money, you know, just fan yeah. sites. So it's just something that com the community itself has gone through. And it just sucks. I mean, it's especially. Well, I, I had it happen to me. My, they, uh, Sony came after me last month and blocked Starman on YouTube. Uh, and it was, was terrible because we had just had an article that came out and we were getting a lot of extra like plays and they blocked it. And they sent me this really innocuous, innocuous email that said like uh, copyright infringement and nothing else, not what it was or where it was, nothing I could like go in and fix. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's, yeah, I've experienced that. There's nothing that guide you towards like you know what they're talking about. It's just like, well, you got to take down the video. That's what I mean. And I don't know if the, a person you've met across your your career, uh, Mike Squires from uh, from Loaded, who's done, who did our theme song. He has something called Couch Riffs, where he just hangs out with a you know a rock star on his couch. Duff McKagan was there once, and. You know, they just jam along to a song on, you know, their Spotify or whatever, and they're taken down. And then it's, I don't know, it's just ridiculous. But whatever, that's that's not important right now. What's important is I, I tell everyone, including other Doug, I, I appreciate your, your time. But uh, I really, when I first sent you the email and just interested in you as a person, I didn't know this was going to be the first time you, you would speak about uh, your friend Scott. So... Just as someone else who has lost, you know, people unexpectedly or just un whatever you may have gone through or gone through, uh, just taking the time, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, you know, I, I know it's been three years, but I just want to say I'm sorry for your loss. Well, thanks, man. Same here. Appreciate that. Uh, no, of Thank course. You. And we don't have to go straight into that don't worry uh, we want to find out more about you and uh you know of course before you even forget because uh i love how right away uh and you were nice about it. i don't know why i left it out of the email i always say hey can we talk about you uh whatever gene r guns and roses tie there is and whatever you're doing now because i always want it to be a like a character build a profile whoever i'm doing maybe of like the the characters that we may not know about as much uh, so when you sent me that, uh, your, your sci-fi thing, is this something that you've always wanted to do as a kid? Like when you were young, did you want to be in filmmaking? Did you want to be a musician? And like, where, what kind of, what was little Doug like a, a little bit? Where'd you grow up? Well, uh, I grew up in New York and I'm uh, little Doug was just kind of obsessed with stuff. So I would get on one thing and just kind of go all full tilt on it. So what I was doing was, I was into photography really hardcore. I had my own dark room was basically a closet in my house. And, uh, and then somebody gave me a guitar and it was all downhill from there, basically. And then about 10 years ago, I started getting back into video, um, and stuff, but I, you know, I didn't, I, I, you know, this, I never thought I would make a TV show or a movie. Um, I was just making band videos for the longest time. Like, I would make videos of my bands, you know, yeah, really high quality HD videos of my band that nobody really wanted to watch that much. <laughs> but uh, eventually I thought, well, you know, I want to do something a little deeper than a music video. Not that music isn't deep, but like I wanted to do something with dialogue and, 
you know, and something scripted and uh, work of fiction sort of thing. I wanted to do scripted, you know, weirdness, basically, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to have a little bit of flavor of, uh, of Twin Peaks. Uh, okay, I mean, sure. Just be kind of weird. Um, and then, uh, you know, and I started thinking, well, I'm going to have to write something then. And so I started writing the script and, you know, they say, you know, you should write what you know about. And what I, re- I tried writing when I was younger. Yeah, I tried writing a book when I was like 20. I had nothing to write about. I was like, main character goes to bar. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have enough life experience at that time? Drinks a lot, gets drunk, comes home. Anyways, <laughs> um, but now, 30 years later, I have a, a host of, uh, of, of experience, and all my experience basically is in the music business, and a lot of fucking weird shit happens in the music business. Like, I saw all kinds of <laughs> weird things, and... And funny things and sad things and all the shit that happens behind the scenes. Like, like I saw, I've seen Duff McKagan eat cereal in his pajamas. No, <laughs> not too many people got to see that. Now I'm not going to put that in my show because that isn't really that famous. Uh, fit, that isn't that funny, but uh, you know it is kind of absurd. Well, and, I mean, uh, does he wear mm-hmm. a onesie with the butt with the butt flap, or was it? <laughs> Like you know, <laughs> girls might want to know boxers or briefs. Does he sleep in, in commando? Like, oh, I don't know. I never saw him uh, that far. Deep. <laughs> but, uh, no, but that's that's uh, a surreal he, moment for sure. He just had like sweats on or something. But you know, I mean, it was interesting. And then an- another thing I saw that was bizarre was once we were stopped at the Canadian border at like five a.m. and it was snowing and it was just getting light. And uh, everyone has to get out of the bus, no matter who you are. So Slash had to get out of the bus. Scott had to get everybody. You can't, it doesn't matter. You could be Elvis Presley. You'd have to get out of the bus and go look at the lady. And so, you know, hmm. seeing Slash kind of kind of hop across this big parking lot in his pajamas, but wearing his black leather coat <laughs> 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 and his slippers, and he's kind of, he's kind of, Bounding through the snow. <laughs> it was the most surreal thing I've ever seen. You know what I mean? You don't see this kind of stuff. So that sounds like some of my late night uh, beer runs to the gas station. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're not Slash. Yeah. Oh, but I, but, I, I like, though, that Slash had the presence of mind not to catch cold that he put on the leather jacket. Or was it just oh, to yeah. be cool? I think it's because it's his only jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. It's cool because it's cool because it's, you know it's not a costume. You know he didn't he didn't leave it in wardrobe. He wears that fucking thing everywhere he goes. So it's you know it speaks to his sincerity. So you know? <laughs> so then you look at uh, like those kind of you know moments or people that you've dealt with where yes it's real life these things are really happening but it's like these people are it's like alien to me. Like, did, did, is that why you felt like you had to add uh, like sci-fi to your your story? And I I, I want to make sure I put it the way you wrote it to me because I thought it was beautiful. Uh, Starman is about a washed-up drug-addicted rock star that finds himself being hunted down by a killer from another planet. Uh, the main character is lightly based on Scott, but it's not him really much at all. It's the actor uh, the the actor that plays my guy is sixty-seven, so more like a Keith Richards type. So there are people who think Keith Richards is from. Another planet? Did you just decide to say, you know what, I'm going to make him from another planet? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, that's a good guess, but that's not why. Okay. Um, 
the reason I put the sci-fi in there was because you know, Scott Scott used to uh, get to the point in his chemical like in the, he would get to the point pretty much every day where the chemicals in his bloodstream would trigger some kind of psychosis, right? Mm. Every fucking day. Okay. None of them were illegal. They were legal drugs, but they were prescription drugs. And he would take too many of them. And at about 9 PM, almost every day, he would start to experience some signs of psychosis. And this went on for like 15 years. Wow. And, uh, he, uh, went on until the day he died. Uh, I know all the drugs that, he was taken, but I don't want to mention them because I don't want to get murdered by the pharmaceutical companies. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so it made him like, so over the years, he had a lot of different psychosis and they would like, when he'd get one, it would last for like a year and then he'd move on to another. And at one point when we were making the Velvet Revolver record, he thought that the aliens were following him. And that's why we have that song or they have that song on that record, Feeding the Aliens Sometimes. Yeah, loving the oh, alien, uh, loving the alien, loving the alien. I just, yeah, I was loving just listening. To, oh, that's the last song on that first record. Yeah, so at that, around that time, his um, psychosis was aliens. So I just went. Wow. I just, I postulated. I said, "What if?" And we all, this is a really interesting point. We didn't know what to do because it's not necessarily illegal for a guy to abuse his medications. Until he acts psycho, <laughs> like that's not necessarily illegal in America. You're right. So we had to just sit there and let him do it. Like you can't, you know, you can't throw him in rehab against their will. You just can't do that in America, and you can't, you know, cut off their supply of drugs. You can't do that in America. You, there's really nothing you can do. And you know, we have a uh, we have a prescription medication epidemic in this country right now. Yes. Of epic proportions. Yes, we and talk about that. Kind of what, this is one story, you know, this is one other story in the big ocean of stories about prescription mm. medication abuse and with people dying. You know, uh, Doug, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you're, you're, you're talking about that. And that's something that we, we, we speak about on the show. Uh, last episode, when I interviewed uh, Brian Hit Welch his, and his daughter, uh, they just came out with a documentary about, it was supposed to be initially about his return to corn. But it ended up being about substance abuse and how it affects the family. And, you know, I've been honest on uh, this show, and it's how I get talk about Guns N' Roses and why Guns N' Roses means so much to me. I felt like I identified with Axel's uh, anger issues. And even, you know, with Scott, I've, I've talked about my, because uh, I'm on Cymbalta, um, and I know yeah. that, and I've, I've talked, I've, I'm open about when there's a certain milligram of how I, my head and my stomach don't feel right. But I've tried different medications, but when I'm off it, I'm so angry, you know, and, and it, right. there, there's a level and I'm, I'm very open about therapy because uh, I don't expect anyone cause in our community. People, need, that's what Head said to me. He really appreciates that I'm talking about it because people are afraid to talk about it or they're ashamed to talk about it and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Like in the case of Scott, they don't know what to do. Uh, so yeah. so hopefully at a time, you know, when it's appropriate, uh, we can take some of these companies and say, you know what, this isn't right for these people. It may be right for me or maybe right for person B, but Scott, I mean, to, for, to deal with that for 15 years, I don't know. Like how, well, I, As a friend, like that must have been so trying on you as a friend because it, there's a lot of bad times, I would assume. 
Yeah, there were lots of bad times, dude. But, you know, there were also a lot of good times and a lot of, like, like hilarious times. Um, the the bad times were more frequent as it, as time went by, you know? Like, he got... He got... He got less uh, fun to be around in the last five years. But, you know, the guy that I first met in 1996 was... Uh, a really nice guy, you know, and funny and uh, not at all the way he was when he died. The the, um, the analogy I use is um, is Gollum. You know, hmm. he was a nice fuzzy hobbit when I met him, and then these prescription drugs turned him into Gollum. Huh. You know, like all skinny and pale. and He wasn't losing his hair like Gollum did, but you know what I mean? Like, it was like you know, precious. Give me the precious. You know? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I know the, the analogy is a light analogy, but I know what you're talking about. And the other thing I didn't even mention, which I've said on the show before, so my listeners kind of know, uh, my dad passed away from prescription drugs and depression, essentially. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Well, thank you. I mean, he initially, you know, went the uh, Chris Cornell, uh, Chester Bennington kind of route and, and it was in, I found it very interesting very cathartic and I'm glad when STP said it uh, I forget, oh, was it STP or was it his family maybe you'll correct me it's like he was committing suicide for 15 years like a slow and oh yeah it was, it was a slow motion suicide absolutely I mean he's you know everything he did was like he smoked cigarettes like as hard as I've ever seen anyone smoking he Drank booze as hard as anyone I'd seen drink booze. You know, like he was very committed to everything he did. So yeah, this was gonna. I was sure everyone was sure that it was gonna end up in overdose, and I was surprised, like many times, that he wasn't dead. Mm. Um, like when I went in to wake him up, it was always like my worst fear was to be the guy to find him with the, huh. uh, you know, with, with no heartbeat. But um, that wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't get that. I got to dodge that one. But um, anyways, he. Uh, I forgot my train of thought. What was I? What was? What was the Well, point? let's go. What was he like when you first met him? What was the Scott Wilde yeah. when you first like? How did you first come across? And where were you in your career? Because, you know, you worked with a, a. You know, it's not just like with Scott, but like Glenn Campbell and uh, Cheryl Crow. You have like a great list. But Scott was a major part of your career with Velvet and Solo and. You know TV shows. So, did your life change well, when you met him, or like how did your paths kind of cross, and uh, and where did you? Yeah, meet? my life changed when I met him, but it was a really slow kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't like overnight I was rich and happy. It well, just, were you uh, overnight uh, best uh, friends? Uh, were you like, uh, you know, do we just become best friends? Yup. And was it or uh, <laughs> pretty cl- pretty close to that? You know, I think in. The- you know, he doesn't. He didn't have a lot of friends in his life. It was very sad. You know, that's mm. another. That's another alcoholic addict thing where he was very isolative, and uh, if that's a word. He was very isolating. He liked to isolate. Anyways, um, I got gotcha. you. So he knew my brother because they were in rehab together, and that's where I first met him. Mm. And uh, then he was in rehab with my brother again, like two years later, which is totally. But it's not that crazy statistically if you realized how many rehabs he'd been to so anyways the second time he ended up in rehab with my brother we were like family so um that's when he asked me to come work at the studio 
And uh, I had my own studio, and I said, yeah, I'll come. He wanted me to come get his shit together over there because they had been partying for months in that place, and it wasn't even working and blah, blah, blah. So I said, yeah, I'll help you out. I was just, just going to help out at first, and then we wrote a song together, and then I ended up moving all my gear into his studio, and then it became our studio, and then, you know, 15 years later, <clears throat> Bob's your uncle. Hmm. That's how it started, and he was, yes, he was, he was just a nicer guy, you know. He was um, uh, more himself, I think, you know, more the uh, the real guy. And, you know, I think it just slowly changed over time. Everyone changes over time, but, you know, I, he, you know, he lost some of his warmth, I think, you know. I don't and know. I, like, uh, you look at pictures from his early, like, career later on, he looks like a completely – a uh, different person. Yeah. I mean, you know, he like he he wasn't he wasn't chubby, but you know, he had some meat on his bones. He had like a fiery red hair. He just mm-hmm. always looked very vibrant and just, you know, ready to kick ass and he just sort of lost that over time. Yeah, he's the only person I've ever seen change their body type. Like he was chunky or he was uh you know, he was like a linebacker or a quarterback or a football player and he right. starved himself to the point where he was like a fashion model all of a sudden. He was all just skin and bones, and I was like, and he kept it for his whole life. I was like, how did you change your body? He did it. I don't know how he did it. What, what did you think, uh, I guess, changed if he was a certain, was it stress of certain band stuff or family? Because I know everyone's oh. different. It could be chemical. You know, it's a variety well, no, of he, things. Well, no, it wasn't care. I don't think he was taking any diet aids. He wasn't into that speed stuff he was into the other stuff but uh no i mean like a chemical imbalance like uh you know mental health oh yeah that's what i mean oh no no i don't think it was that it was uh just one year he got obsessed with working out you know and he was so obsessed that like you know he would work out in the morning and then like we'd go out to lunch and he would eat a piece of bread and he'd be like i gotta go back to the gym i swear to god Mm. he did i'd see him do it several times so uh i think he just wanted it was around the time Velvet Revolver was forming, and I think he just wanted to be super ultra ripped because he was going to be replacing Axl Rose, you know? He was very nervous about that. He 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 was a huge fan. I'll tell you a story. No one knows this story. I was there in his living room the day that the project sent over the CD, like a messenger had sent over a CD of some song ideas from Duff and Slash to get Scott interested in being a singer. And this is, you know, so this is about nine months before their first song, right? And he goes, um, wow. I just, you know, he tells me what it is because I know, I didn't know what was going on. And I said, well, what, were you going to do it? And he's like, oh, I, can't, I can't, I can't sing with Slash and Duff. I can't, I can't take over Axl Rose's place. That's, I just can't do it. He didn't like celebrity that much, you know what I mean? He didn't. He could have hung out with all kinds of famous people, and he never did. So I think he was just, you know, it was a little intimidating to him. Um, and then nine months later, uh, they offered him a super sweet deal on the soundtrack. And uh, the Hulk soundtrack, like right? Set me free, no, me Hulk. No, it was no, it was the Italian Italian job, right? Oh, oh okay, yeah. Yeah, the, the cover of the Pink Floyd. Yes, right? yes, 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 absolutely. That. They threw a huge chunk of change at them to do that cover. And that started, you know, I mean, Scott was very friendly and liked to collaborate. And so once they did one song, 
it was like th- that was it. There was a band. You know what I mean? But initially, he was intimidated. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. So it was just doing that first song, and uh, I mean, did he go forward thinking, "Oh wow, if they're gonna throw this much money at us to do a song, imagine what an album would do"? Or did he just say, "You know what? No, I, I can I, do this. I can work with these guys and do a, a new band and make it my my own thing." Yeah, that's. I think the second one. He didn't. He wasn't very calculating. Like, oh wow, we're gonna melt this one. He just, you know, he just felt comfortable doing the first song, like you said, and they were so, you know, like, listen, when I first met Slash and Duff, the first day they were like, Slash and Duff are coming in the studio, you know, the management, I was nervous, and I thought, these guys, there's no way these guys aren't dicks, you know? I just <laughs> thought, there's no, there's no way that, that they could get this far in this epic career of theirs and not be kind of ruined by it. And, oh, wow, okay. Well, it turned out, Absolutely the opposite. They're super, super sweethearts. So I think Scott probably, when he saw they were super, super sweethearts, he was like, yeah, this is cool. Let's do this. Well, that's interesting, because um, I'm assuming that none of you had met them before. If Because that's what you always hear oh. about Slash and Duff. They're nice guys. But if you had a, uh, a perception, which I assumed was just based upon other experiences and people that you've met, that they were going to be dicks... Uh, but you had ne- this was the first time you met them when Velvet Revolver was coming together. So you never crossed you know paths before. Dicks is, dicks is a hard word. Aloof or curmudgeon, or, or, like a curmudgeon. Yeah, or snotty, okay. or just above everything. I, I just thought that I, you know, they're these guys are fucking epic figures in American history. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, I used to tell um, people, you know, when we'd be out in the uh, out in the world touring. We go through a lot of airports because we did a lot of like fly dates, and people would see us with our guitars and they go, "Oh, who do you who do you guys play for?" And we'd be like, "Ah, nobody here." And they're like, "No, tell us who you play for." And we'd be like, "Scott Weiland," and they'd be like, "Who?" Every time they'd be like, "Who?" And then we go, "Stone Temple Pilots," and he goes, eight out of ten would say, "Who?" And then we'd say, "He plays with Slash," and they go, "Oh." Driver or like the lady that makes your bed at the hotel. Right. Everybody knows Slash. That's so, exactly why I do. I mean, yes, they're my favorite band, but I thought it was a, a good idea to do a podcast, not because it's my favorite band, but any everybody knows who Axl Rose and Slash are. You know, not maybe not Duff, but like you said, someone who makes your bed, uh, the sorority girl. They know Welcome to the Jungle. Think about this, though. Think about this. How many guitar players can you identify in silhouette? There's <laughs> Good point. Jimmy cool. Page. Jimmy Page, if he has the double neck. Right. Jimi Hendrix, no doubt, and Slash. Mm. You know? That's a fair. You know Slash when you see him. He is, I don't think he did it on purpose, but he is the product of a really great marketing campaign. He basically picked out a great name, Slash. No last name. Who needs it? And he uh, uh, picked an outfit that worked really well for him and a hairstyle that worked really well for him, and he kept it. And he picked a guitar that he liked. And now, I don't think he did it on purpose. I think that is just exactly how he likes to be. But it turned into like a, it's almost like a logo, you know, the right. top hat and the afro. Well, what about uh, Scott himself, too? He was into fashion. I think more so when he became, like you mentioned before, like a, he was like a model going into Velvet Revolver. But even growing up in the grunge era, I always felt like he 
was somebody to look to as a kid that that dressed cool, you know. And I feel like when in Velvet Revolver, when he started wearing the what I call like the M Bison hat from Street Fighter, Hadouken! or <laughs> with like the army hat, what would you call it? Like uh, those military kind of style hats, like SS hat. Like, uh, it's almost like the, the the uniform. I think Axl Rose didn't Axl like wear that sometimes too, or it was like kind of like yeah. the leather, like uh, you know. Yeah, and, sometimes, uh, but Rob Halford, you know, but I the feel... leather. Like I don't want to say Nazi. It's kind of, but still, it's like, <laughs> like leather. Like, oh, what's this? He got in trouble in Germany for wearing that fucking hat. It doesn't have a SS anywhere on it, but there is a death skull, like a, like a death's head skull mm-hmm. on the front, and the Germans took him the fucking task for that they were pissed he had to apologize basically because they're that strict over there but yeah it's just it's a military hat i don't think it's even a german hat but pretty much like a fucking ss hat so when you guys first met what was your first project i know we're we're going back a little bit but i kind of want to you know know what you're you're because scott could have written with a lot of people he met a lot of people but you guys were were writing buddies and he took you along well, I shouldn't say took you along. You went along with the ride with him uh, to STP and, and the Wild About. So do you remember the first song you guys wrote together or the first big project? Yeah, I remember. I remember, uh, I remember the song. I'm blanking on the name right now. But it was, like, it was like the second day I was in the studio. But my first project at the Scott Wilder studio was to find all the syringes and get rid of them. <laughs> They, they were like, you have to go in there and you have to de-dopify the place. And I was like, all right, I'm sober. I can do it. Anyway, mm-hmm. so the first song was, uh, I can't remember, but it was it was actually Scott and me and Eric Kretz came over. And he played drums on it and I played guitar and bass and Scott sang. And it was a ballad and it was, it was cool. It was a B-side. It was definitely not a hit. But I was fucking jazzed. I went home to my other job, which was, my home, you know, my other studio, um, you know, and I was just walking on air. I was just like, hey, I just did a song that's going, wow, listen to this. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was pretty pretty fun for me, probably not as fun for him. And to, to answer your question, I think he liked writing with me because we were friends and because I'm a, I'm a good writing partner. I'm very good at, like, filling in blanks. I'm very good at writing with singers especially if they don't play a lot of instruments and they need help with the musical aspects, you know? And, uh, you know, like he would come in with a verse, you know, with, with like two chords and a melody. And he says, this is a verse. And then I would listen to what he's doing. And then I would write the chorus and he would sing on it. And then I would come up with it, kind of glue everything together. And so I think he liked that too, you know? But I think mostly it was just he liked, you know, he didn't want to go out meet new people to write with because he didn't like new people. I get that. I understand that. Uh, I I think I was I was actually talking to my my girlfriend earlier about it. I I, I wouldn't mind just moving to Wyoming or Antarctica. I'd just be away from people. I mean, I might go stir crazy after a few months, but I could definitely be away from people for a while because I have that introvert <laughs> thing that and why I feel you know identified with Scott or. Or Axel, uh, did you find it hard? Because I I know sometimes I do about around being uh, around other people who are doing uh, stuff. Like thankfully, most of my friends were just potheads that 
You know, because uh, oh. I feel like if they if they weren't, if I were, if I had friends that were into hard drugs, I probably would have done hard drugs. I had that mentality. It sucks, whether it's uh, you know pot or uh, if it's cookies. Like I'm like, oh cookies, just shove my. Like, I'm a cookie monster. Like I have the addictive personality. Like I know I would have done right. it. So I don't know what kind of like per- what person you were. Maybe was it? Did you, did you ever uh, have your demons, or was it something that oh, this yeah, was never no, part no. of? Okay. I'm a drug. I'm a drug addict. I'm a sober drug addict. Right on. I went to the. I went to the rehab that Scott met my brother in like a year before, and uh, it was also the same rehab that Kurt Cobain jumped the wall. And then yeah. a few days later, killed himself. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a famous rock star rehab, but it wasn't fancy. It was really dirty. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, I know all about drugs. And it was one of the reasons why I was able to stay around Scott for so long was because I didn't do drugs with him ever. Really? If you came, in, if you came into the uh, family or the organization, which was very small, and you started doing drugs with Scott, Management and record company would see you as the enemy because you're enabling and you're, you know, like, listen, misery loves company. and He had better shot staying sober without having, like, another drug addict around that wants to get high with him. You know what I mean? He would just. So that's, you know, if I had been getting high with him, I would have been gone after a year probably because he, you know, was that, you know, it was just that hard to kind of help him stay on the straight and narrow and so I was a good influence you know we would go to meetings sometimes or we would uh, I don't know whatever we would do but um, and then I took him to rehab like 11 times or something like so many times mm-hmm. so many different rehabs every one of them looked like a funny story attached to it because he didn't want to go so like you know we would uh, he would you know several times we had limos I don't know why we needed a limo to go to rehab but like, <laughs> would just like have us going all over town before we would get there we finally get there at like one in the morning after like making 10 stops and it's just anyways there are probably a lot of stories i can't tell you here on the, on the show but... hey no i i understand a lot of it is personal to you and i appreciate what you're talking to us about you know um thus far just in just in general and just being here you know i would have been uh i think i told you i would have been fine just talking about sci-fi nerd stuff but i, I appreciate that you're being <laughs> Open with it because it, it is difficult. I didn't want to go to uh, AA until my therapist said she wouldn't see me anymore, and I, <laughs> I, I, I she did, and she said it. I, I know she meant it out of love. She's like, I, I'm not going to be able to help you if you don't do stuff to help yourself. So I reluctantly yeah. went. Uh, I think recently it was just uh, three years without a drink, because uh, that wow. it became. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, not to say congratulations. That, Thank you. I mean, not to say I don't have other demons, but nothing dangerous, you know, like that. Right. And, and I have to be aware uh, of it. And, and I'm glad that you had, that you were a good influence and, and a good friend. And it, that's, I can't imagine how difficult that was for you at times when you're fighting your own demon, especially when you had if, had your brother as well. And I uh, forgive me for not knowing. I hope your brother's okay. Yeah, he's still sober. Okay, good. Mazel tov. Forever. Yeah, that's it's it's every day is a challenge. So that's why I admire Duff McKagan and Slash and people yeah. who have seemingly beat it and why, you know, I was rooting we all were rooting so hard for for Scott. Um just take so not so cuz well, obviously these conversations will organically take us to this point 
because it's this is where we are now, unfortunately, with Scott. But I want to keep interjecting good stuff. Uh, when was I guess the first? Because um, that was you talked about your first writing experience. But when did you start working with Stone Temple Pilots? Like when did that become like a reality? And what was your involvement? Because you do a lot of things. You play, you know, obviously you're an engineer. You play guitar. You 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 do play a lot of instruments. So did you just always go like whatever need you needed to be filled or were you looking to be like another member to a band? Like what was your kind of path that you were going along with? That's exactly what I still do. I I just fill in the cracks for whatever artist I'm working for because I play like five instruments and I also program drums and make rap beats and fucking record things. And I have several different, and then a mix. You know, you have to do that to make a living in the music business, dude. That's that's all there is to it. You know, sure. If you do one thing, like if you just play bass, good luck. You're you're going to be in a wedding band. <laughs> and that, that, there's nothing against wedding bands. They're great. I tried to join one. They wouldn't have me. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> no, I hear you. Same thing in radio. I much, beginning of my career, I just thought I can just jibber jabber, but now I got a production, editing, board op, all this stuff. So. Yeah, you got to be a jack of all trades, but I just didn't know for you. Yeah, you can do all these things, but you know what? I want to be a lead guitarist of a band, or I want to be a producer of, of of records. I didn't know if you had like a set path, or just being a jack of all trades is cool in itself, and that's just you're just that's just the path you're going on. Like I, I didn't know what your your goal was, if you had one or have one. Yeah. Well, my goal is just to make music, basically, right? Cool. And I'm a musician first. So I came here to make music, and I was here for like a year, and I was like, you know what, this isn't happening. I'm going to be a producer instead because it's just the music scene here in L.A. was trash. It was just, and it still kind of is. It's just <laughs> not a great place to play around. and You know, but I still had bands um, that I was that I was in just for fun. Like, I still have bands that I'm in just for fun. It would be great if they had some kind of success, but I don't really bank on it. Um, So, yeah, I started looking towards production, but mostly because I just wanted to be able to create and do it as quickly and and as unhindered as I could. So I had to learn how to I had to master all these different devices that are included, like Pro Tools and you know, a need console and you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and the thing with STP was, you know, once I became friends with Scott and we had the studio together in Burbank, um, he just pulled me into everything, man. He just, when he sang on the Limp Biscuit record, he brought me to that session just because he felt like he needed a wingman. You know, <laughs> I didn't actually do any engineering at all. I just went and, I was the wingman until he felt comfortable, and then I was like, I'm out of here. That's, but, um, that's cool. I forgot he was on Limp, uh, Limp Bizkit record. Yeah, he was on, uh, was it, uh, what, what was the name of the song? Oh, the dog, uh, do you remember? You no, know, he, was, he was on chocolate, the... Chocolate Starfish, right? Chocolate, he was on a couple, yeah, he was on Chocolate Starfish. Uh, hold on, I know he was on that uh, that track. On Chocolate Starfish, but he was on a '99 record too. Um, it was like it was, it was him and a few other guys. I'm trying to think of that song. They actually had it in an episode of The Simpsons, I think. <laughs> then, oh wow, I, I should know that then because I'm a Simpsons freak. I'm gonna. Um... Was, uh, I I don't I don't remember what the song is called. But yeah, no, the one on Chocolate Starfish, it was Scott singing guest. Hold on, it's actually a great song. I'm not really a big biscuit fan by any means but you know it was a good track he made that track 
work. Yeah, I'm looking uh, up. I'm yeah. looking now. I do see the hold on, uh, and nobody like you with uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn. That was it. That that was oh. the other one I was thinking of. There, there was an episode of The Simpsons that they played like samples from that track on it. Actually. Oh wow! I'm, wow. Okay, Simpsons trivia. I pre- thank you, Arthur Doug. I know, <laughs> I, we have you here for a reason. I appreciate it. Yes, I'm a walking uh, pile of useless information. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so, the, Doug, that's got to be, like, the amount of people that you have, like, just meeting through him. Did you ever say, like, did you, were you still thinking, like, hey, I'm with Scott Wyland, or it's just, like, my buddy Scott, and you were just, like, that kind of... Uh, oh, like, no, you, you always you always kind of have the feeling, hey, I'm with Scott Wyland, the famous guy in the back of your head, but the more you hang out with him, the more you, the less the famous part even occurs to you. And, yeah, there were a lot of people, like, there there was a just a parade of like famous people and also like big management guys are almost scarier than like a superstar. They're, you know, like the firm was this place that was closed now that had all the big management and this was for the music business. And those, you know, those guys would be around and they were actually kind of famous too. And so it was, yeah, it was freaky, but I just, I'm really good at not getting phased by that shit. I don't, I don't care. I just, I'm there to make music. And, and help any way I can. And um, if Irving Azoff walks in, everything stops because we all have to talk to Irving. Not that I don't like Irving. He's cool. But if the management walks in, you know, all of a sudden we're going to have a business meeting and music making is going to stop for a while. So that was kind of annoying. But anyways, going back to the SDP thing. Yeah, he, you know, they were mad at him because they were always mad at him. And he felt kind of, lonely in that dynamic and he dragged me into those last three records like he was just like i was his wingman and then i also you know in the first one number four i was just involved in the uh writing like he and i would sit in the studio in burbank and we would listen to what the guys had given him and then he would write to it and i would record whatever he wrote so those were the demos um but for the next one, I did a lot of recording, and I even did for Shangri La. I died, did a lot of the recording, and I did some of the producing. Even I didn't get credit. But then for the last one, I recorded all the vocals um, at Art Old Studio. Anyways, um, yeah, he just brought me in because he, um, you know, I was his guy. I was I was Scott's guy, and that was. That was weird in the beginning because they were mad at Scott. So Scott's guy all of a sudden was kind of a bad guy to begin with. So did they? And I, did you get along I with had, them? Like, well, how was your relationship with the uh, other members of STP, the Leo brothers? The Leo Bros and Kretz. Well, they were very wary of me at first, as they should have, because all of the guys that Scott brought around usually were like, you know, drug suppliers. And I had to kind of earn their uh, approval. And I think I did eventually, cool. you know, they, they thought that I was enabling him at times, I think. And I thought that I wasn't, we had a few arguments about that, but I think they, I think they eventually figured out that I was a, a, a power for good in his life. And they, then they started, stopped giving me any grief at all. But, uh, they're all good guys, man. And I've worked with, well, I worked with Robert at his house studio for a long time, and then I worked with Kretz at his studio, which is an amazing studio he used to have. So I, this is after Scott introduced me to them. So I kind of worked with each one of them 
alone and have our own relationships apart from STP. I don't talk to them very often anymore, but um, they're excellent dudes. Do you, uh, something that we've talked about on the show, obviously it's a little different with GNR and lineup changes because everyone is still around. Uh, but we, we came across it with Axel taking place of Brian Johnson, ACDC, and, you know, KISS comes up. Is KISS going to continue with no original members at some point? I think Paul and Gene have said yes, of course, anywhere to make a buck. But it's interesting, right. uh, you know, like Alice in Chains has had a lot of success, great records, you know, uh, with William Duvall. Uh, but there was, for me, there was uh, a lot of time on, when, before when Alice in Chains reemerged. Um you know, and again, this is me. I'm not, you know, you, you can just say, keep your opinion, you know, secret if you want. I thought as a fan who misses Scott, I felt it was too soon. However, I will never tell anyone how to grieve, which is what I learned. So I don't know what their process was or is. Do you, do you like that they're, you know, they're out now making music? Uh, are you happy for them? I, I am happy for them, actually. I'm happy for them because, he hindered them for a long time. He, you know, he got in the way of making a lot of great music because, you know, it wasn't his intention to do that. It was just his addiction. Mm. Right. Well, I know they had a lot of, they had years of frustration. So I'm really glad to see that they can do it um, scot-free, you know, not to make, uh, not to make fun of it. But, you know, they just didn't go well together anymore, even if he was alive. Um I don't know if they would. Um, I guess they would, they would have a reunion someday, but that doesn't count for anything anymore because reunions to me means all that means to me is somebody put a big enough number on the table. Hmm. That's what I told people back in the day of Guns and Ro- of, of Bell Revolver. Everyone would ask me, "Hey, yeah, where you get Guns Rose back there?" And I said it every time. I said, "As soon as the offer gets big enough, all you know grudges will be settled." And sure enough. <laughs> That's what happened. So, I'm happy for them, and I also know. Listen, you got to be, you got to be realistic. They got, they got to make a living. They, they got kids and right. stuff. They're gonna have to go to college soon. And, um, sure. You know, this is their livelihood. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I haven't watched the videos or anything because I just don't want to know. I hear the guy's good, but I don't want to. Jeff Good. Jeff Good is a great frontman. Uh, he did a great job. I was like, I, I like Chester Bennington. You know, he's a great vocalist, great rock frontman. I always said, like, you know, if you check out all the production from Limp, uh, not Limp Biscuit, <laughs> Lincoln Park, you know, it, you know, he would have been a great, just pure rock vocalist. And they did well with him. But I think Jeff Goot is. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to it, Brandon. I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's a great record, and you know, they made a great choice, and you know, all the all powered and you know best of luck to them you know he's t- he's from i think what the x factor initially or something uh some reality oh. so he was like originally he was in a band it was kind of one of limp biscuits like fears like early 2000s called uh um limp biscuit lincoln park like the new middle era they're called dry cell and uh dry cell i think broke up after a couple of records i actually knew them so like it's, it's weird because like i saw this guy jeff goot actually in a dry cell covering an STP song hmm. probably like 10 years ago on YouTube. Hmm. I would have never, wow. <laughs> you know, he would have been STP's frontman one day. Life's funny. And, and I also look at like, you never know what it's going to mean to Jeff, you know, uh, cause it's not, he's, he, I'm sure Scott means a lot to him. 
you know, for me, I, Scott's, I mean, obviously I can't compare it to Doug's feelings, but it's just awkward for me to see it now. I think I need more time. And I totally get that from you, Doug, if that's the case, because, you know, you want to see your, your your friend up there. I get it. And I had a, it was a cool conversation with uh, a little while ago with uh, Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon. And obviously, you know, Shannon Hoon passed away quite a while ago. And, I knew him, too. Oh, you knew he was another great. And I was in rehab with him, man. You were in rehab with For Shannon Hoon. Wow. Three weeks wow. in rehab, and then... And then we lived in the sober living house together for a couple months, and then they took him to the first tour, and I was like, "Don't go." <laughs> oh, you miss? No, don't go. Like you would miss him, or you don't think he was? Re- you didn't think he was ready to leave? No, the first date was Amsterdam, dude. He wasn't oh. ready to leave. <laughs> he wasn't ready to leave sober living. He had he had like a month sober maybe, and they took him out on the road, and and it's that was a bad thing the industry used to do. So they used to you know kind of ignore your addiction or your medical problem, whatever your problem is, just go out there and you, you got to support the record. Got to support the record. doesn't mean, doesn't matter if you just got out of rehab. I Boom, think you're out on the road. Mm, things are changing now, even in sports and, you know, uh, concussion protocol, instead of like, just go back out there. It's become a thing, which, you know, unfortunately we had to deal with tragedies to get to this point. Uh, but what mm. I loved about Chris and I, like, I'll, I'll, Parlay it to SDP. He's making less money because he was, he became a producer, and he's like, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to play these songs with Shannon because he died before the second record. We could tour. Oh, he, he has a studio in Silver Lake, right? Uh, yeah, it's called Fire Studio, Fireside Studio, something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. something like. But he's a awesome guy. He he played uh I think over the summer here in in the city, and I saw him at Le Poussin Rouge. Uh, mm. it was a nice little place, but. Wow, it, someone should make. Speaking of like shows and what you can do, I feel like there needs to be like a rehab show of rock stars. Especially, you could be the only one to tell it at this point. Yeah. Who, who dealt with if you Scott Weiland, Shannon Hoon? It used to be what Kurt Cobain used to be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just. Uh, I, you guys are the story writers. I'm just the other uh, radio guy. So, uh, <laughs> if you want, if you want to take that idea and run with it, just maybe give me credit when it's produced or something like that. Um, so when did the, so you told us a little bit about the Velvet Revolver stuff. How was that, that trip, that, that, that process? Cause that was, I think, unexpected for it to do so well. And I, you know, a lot of people weren't sure it was, but Audio Slave just came out before, uh, as a super group and they were really successful. So in addition to just be like, oh, wow, I'm going to play with Slash and Duff and, you know, Matt Sorum. And I will even say David Kushner, former guest of the show. Uh, what did you foresee the success that Velvet would have? Mm, I knew they would sell a certain amount of records, but I didn't think it was going to go platinum. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't know, man. I, you know, I tell all my bands, and I just had a band finish yesterday from San Diego, a real good band from called Murder of Five. They sound a lot like Alice in Chains, but um. Uh, I tell all my bands, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know a hit song when I hear it. I don't know, like, I don't know the the magic part of this shit. I can't, I don't have any pert natural ability to pick a hit because usually I'll pick the wrong song. Like I worked on a Sheryl Crow record, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I worked on like three of the you know songs that weren't hits. And uh, and one day, Rick Rubin came into the studio. And Cheryl pulled out this new song, and she said, Rick, you want to hear my new song? And it was that song, Soak Up the Sun. 
Yeah. And so she played it for us, and I thought, this is dog shit. Rick Rubin, <laughs> Rick, Rick Rubin was like, I love it, Cheryl, it's a hit. <laughs> I actually have a giant soft spot for that song. <laughs> it brings me back. I'm a younger guy, like, you know, 25 years old, and it's kind of like, that was a good song, like, driving around with my mom, like, going shopping. Look up the sun, <laughs> like she'd be playing that. Right on, and but I'm with you, Doug. Though I, I'm not, a, I think that song is dog shit. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm more of the you old know, school not... Cheryl Crow, like uh, you know, the 1994 Cheryl Crow. That's what I like. That's what I. All I want to do. I was trying to push her back that way, and I was also trying to make her a little more mysterious and a little more, I don't know, vibey because that's my thing is darkness and and vibe and. So I did a bunch of that stuff on three of the songs, but um, you know, I, I knew that "Soak Up the Sun" was catchy. I just th- that wasn't what I was into at the time, you know. And uh, I was just like, uh, but you know, she it was, uh, well, you know, money wise, it was a great move, but it wasn't really what I was into. So I thought, oh, dog shit. But it was <laughs> Rick Rubin story that's important there. Yeah, no, that, that's funny. I mean, obviously, you have uh, an ear for something; otherwise, you wouldn't have. Uh, the resume that you do, and uh, you wouldn't be, you know, uh, a tag team champions with Scott Weiland. Of, of, I don't know why I use that as an analogy, but you know, obviously, you, you contribute something. But yeah, I mean, that's sometimes you have an ear for certain things, sometimes you don't. I guess if that's not your 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 particular yeah. genre, because that's such a happy song. It's just like I don't know. It belongs know. on the, the Brady Bunch soundtrack, you know. Right, uh, Doug. It's a beautiful oh, summer hit. I was just a curmudgeon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So um, what did you enjoy most? Because I know, I mean, I appreciate your time, and I know we can't keep you here, you know, forever. Uh, did you enjoy working with, with Scott Solo, STP stuff, Velvet? Um, and, and how about the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, please, was the last record you worked with him the, the Christmas album? Uh, no, no, technically the last one was the... Um, the uh, Bumblefoot thing. Okay. So I did the vocals on the Bumblefoot tracks, and uh, that was the last record. But the last Scott record was, yeah, the Christmas record. Oh, that's what I mean, the last Scott record. Yeah. And they were holding off on that Art of Anarchy record for a while. I know they recorded it, like, in 2012, and they didn't release it until 2015. Right. Yeah, how that didn't... uh, do too well. Did they try with Scott, uh, Scott Stapp too when that fell apart? Yeah, no, they, uh, I don't know, they keep, you know, I guess their whole uh, method of operation is just hiring guys named Scott and then doing <laughs> them. I don't know. <laughs> so many Scots, so many dogs in this show. Can I say a rumor? Can we say a rumor? Um, so I don't have a source for this, but it's a rumor. Sure, go for it. I hear Scott Stapp is currently living in the tour bus that Scott Weiland died in. That's what I heard. Well, oh, no, I I think I heard that. I don't even know if it's a rumor. I think he's. I think he talked about that. That he, he like. I, th- I think Scott Stapp claimed to see Scott Weiland's ghost, or something like that. Like he was talking about in interviews. Yo, I need to get him on the show. That's what needs to happen. When yeah, I, had- I actually interviewed Scott Stapp, earlier, and you know, he, he seemed he seemed all right. Actually, he seems to be well, a little more put together now. Hey, I was a fan of Creed, man. I'm not going to be one of those jumping on the the Creed hate uh, bandwagon. Oh, no, same here, same here. He was in a he was in a totally 
Like, you know, I mean, going back to Starman, the series, like, you know, I think he was on one of those weird, you know, just totally out there psychosis trips, like, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and no, that was pretty I high for a while. But he's, he's doing better now. I hope Scott gets to be a ghost. I really hope that's true, because that would be, <laughs> I think, a blast. I hope so, too. Uh, but what was your favorite project to work with him on? Favorite project? <laughs> favorite record or favorite song? Um, whatever, you know, you decide. What was your favorite thing you've ever worked on with Scott? I mean, it could have been just not even something that we even know about. It could be, you know, your favorite moment that you had with Scott that maybe you, you think about the most often uh, in, in fondness memory. Well, as far as just, um, you know, the best times, I'd say it was uh, like 2005 to like 2010 when we had our record company and we had money from Sony and we, you know, we were kind of, we were kind of rolling for a minute there until we went bankrupt. And th- th- those were good times because um, we were working on... Uh, it does not exist anymore. Soft Drive Records? Um, I think it died with Scott. I think I think that all the paperwork was somewhere in his storage unit. So, but I, I um, yeah, I think it's it died with him. But uh, we had a lot of great bands that we got to work with. Um, and then, so that was like the funnest stuff. Um, and then the, I guess my favorite song, it's hard to say, but I really like this weird song on Happy and Glossers called Pictures and Computers. And I, I like it so much that I put it in Starman hmm. for like 10 seconds. Noticed. Yeah, I noticed. It was in the intro. That's awesome. Well, that's that's really cool. Uh, I actually, I want to, before I even forget, I want to play, uh, for all the Guns N' Roses fans out there, a clip from Starman, your your web series. Um, well, they'll, they'll know why I chose this one. Barry. Barry, what do you want? He did it again. Do what? He pulled a knife on Flash last night in the alley behind the troubadour. Speak up, I got something behind me. Hold on, hold on. Flash says he's suing. Why you said he's suing me? Flash is. Who? Flash is suing Edwin. Oh, Edwin? He's gotta stop this shit. He's gotta stop it. Are you listening to me, Otis? You know, I, I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's up on YouTube, Starman, uh, the series, and first episode's 20 minutes. And I read the description that you sent me before, and that's all I knew going into it. And I don't know why the lead uh, guy reminded me a little bit of a Drop Dead Fred, that kind of uh, character. Yeah. And and <laughs> it was really enjoyable. There were definitely laugh-out-loud moments uh, when he was trying to do the collab with the other uh, rap artist and... Uh, it's hey, Doug. Uh, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, Brian, but oh, that. I've, it's been burning me with curiosity because that that part was like earnestly hilarious. Like I watched it with a friend; we were both laughing our asses off. Then seeing where he's uh, trying to you know make a collaboration with a rap artist. But was that based yeah. on anything that actually happened with you and Scott? Yes. W- okay. <laughs> Are you able to talk about that or no? Yeah, I'll tell you the whole story. Here's an example. When Scott got out of jail in 2000, he had met some rappers and he wanted to get into the rap game. I suspect, well, actually, I don't suspect. He told me, he told them, hey, I'll produce you as rappers if you protect me while I'm in the county jail. And so we ended up in the rap game. So we tried to make a few rap tracks for these guys. These guys are real rappers. They were from Inglewood. Uh, They were in jail for Sling and Rock, and they were good. 
So they're real gangster rappers. They actually were super nice guys too. And uh, but the problem was is that we didn't know anything about making rap tracks. We, you know, it was just foreign to us. You know, in order to succeed in that genre, you got to kind of live it. You know. So we made some really bad background tracks for these guys to rap on. It was <laughs> almost pathetic. I'm going to have to see if I have them somewhere. And <laughs> <laughs> we got introduced to Scott Storch. You never heard of that guy? No. Scott Storch. Well, he was Dr. Dre's right-hand man. One of them that year, he was on contract to Dre for $1 million. He, he had this... Uh, Basically, he Dre said, "Here's a million dollar check, and uh, you have to come whenever I call you at any time." <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, Storch was getting kind of famous. He was getting like twenty grand a pop per song, and he knew Dr. Dre, so he got me and Scott and him a meeting with Dre. And here's what happened: we go over there, we're very nervous, all of us, even Scott, and uh, they usher us in to the control room at Dre's studio and he's he's making a beat on the MPC which impressed me. I still think maybe he was faking it, but he was working. He was making a beat. <laughs> <laughs> and um and so Scott Storch, you know, you know, we, there was a little small talk, very short. Listen to the song and then a little small talk talk and we were sent on our, our way packing. You know, and of course we thought Dr. Dre was going to like become our friends and we were all going to be hanging out in his jacuzzi in a week or so. And you know what I mean? Like we had sipping crystal. Yeah. We had high hopes, but I think Dre looked at us and said, you fucking rockers are trying to come in here and, you know, it's basically moving in on his territory. You know what I mean? Like without any cred, without any time, we're just trying to jump over from the rock world right into like Dre world. And I don't think you like that. Hmm. I might be wrong. Maybe maybe it was just the song sucked, but I don't think he liked that. Um, so in my show, we go to Dre, except his name is Faye. <laughs> my, his, his name is Minister Faye. <laughs> Very clever. I know that made me laugh. That that was it was funny. Yeah. And, I, I, sh- I should have made that connection watching it, and somehow I didn't. But <laughs> I didn't either until just now. I just thought it was a funny, cool name, and then yeah, the Doctor Dre. Wow. So, you know, then I just wrote it and I just, you know, made it into something that was funny and cool and ended up with us getting what we wanted, a collaboration with Faye, you know? So that's not what we got in real life, but that's how I ended up writing it. Plus that ridiculous cocaine scene, you know, no one's ever done that before. You know, he didn't do that, but, um, you know, that was me just trying to make the drugs into like a slapstick kind of thing. Yeah, uh, you, yeah, you could tell that the way he was, it, it was very cartoonish, the amount of drugs he was taking, you know, right. uh, for sure. Like, that's what was perfect. It was a balance of, this could happen, maybe this could happen, there's no way this could happen. It was, it was like a perfect <laughs> flow of it all. You know, I, I really dug it. No pun intended. <laughs> I'm going to use that somewhere. Maybe this could happen. Yeah, what did you say again? This could happen. Maybe this could happen. This could shit. happen. Maybe this could happen. No way that's happening. <laughs> no, something like that. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, no, tell us, um, like, so what could we, because that was only episode one. Uh, what's, what's the plan for you going forward? Uh, in addition to the web series, uh, Starman, are you, like, because you said you're working with bands. You know, what do you, what can we expect from, from Doug Rion going forward? 
Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm producing bands, and I, I do a lot of singer-songwriters, too, because there's a lot of that around here. And I just do that. That's what I normally do. That's basically my main gig. And then I, uh, I'm i going to make another episode, um, hopefully have it out in like a month. It takes a long time because I do almost everything. Like I, I, you know, I had a cameraman with a red for that first episode, and I had a gaffer, and I had audio. Um, but then other than that, I do all the editing and all the color correction. I do the biggest thing is actually the audio mix. I never knew how hard those guys work. Hmm. I've never done it. I, that's, that's, a, that's a pain. I know from experience. Oh my God. <laughs> it takes weeks. It's nuts. Anyway, so probably January. I also have to get permission from my wife. Because the first episode pretty much turned our entire house upside down. <laughs> that was your house? That was your house? I had food everywhere. I had lights and props and crap everywhere for like a month. So we got we to hey, do that. Hey, Doug, that was you. That was you in the Wolfman suit, right? Yeah, that was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good catch. I, am, I, was, uh, I, I wasn't. I, I didn't see it in the credits, but I don't know. I just I had a feeling that was you in the Wolfman suit. Uh, well, you know, I I never really wanted to be an actor, but um, I couldn't afford to pay another actor, so I just did it myself. Plus, you don't see his face. Here's an interesting thing that that you could consider. Someone might consider. You don't see the wolf's face for a while. You don't see it for like three episodes. So he could end up being anyone. He could be John C. Riley. He could be fucking Sean Connery. You know what I mean? Like he could be any actor under there, Seth Rogen. <laughs> so I don't, I don't necessarily have to be the wolf forever. I just have to have a good wolf by the time I unveil the wolf. Okay. Okay. Is that something you're even thinking about? Like who is going to be the person chasing him all this time? Like who? Who's oh yeah, I would. Uh, Scooby Doo ending. Well, the wolf is going to be. No, no, no. Actually, I'm not thinking that. Okay. <laughs> but I never thought of that. But that is an interesting idea. <laughs> that's, that's that's not it. It's just the wolf becomes part of the gang. Okay. He stops. He he stops trying to kill, and he and then he's just stranded on Earth, and so he hangs out with those guys because he has nowhere to go, and nobody else knows about him, and he, so he turns out to be like a sidekick. A weird, like, alien sidekick. Okay. Right on. So I, I want you, uh, you know, Doug, I, I can't thank you enough for your for your time. And you, you're always welcome back. You know, I, I definitely want to uh, see the next episode, If you, whether you want to come back and talk about the next episode next time or just, you know, send oh, me yeah. an email and I can post it on social media because uh, obviously you're, you know, you're a busy guy working with so many different people. And, I mean, the the show itself is, the, is an, an insane amount of work. You know, I do a podcast, which is... Not nearly uh, as time-consuming as what you're doing, and it's it's time-consuming what I do. So I can't even imagine. Uh, so it takes a long time. It does. I get a podcast. Yeah, it takes a long time because in order to edit it, you have to listen to it from the beginning to the end. I do. That's like an hour. Yeah, no, I do. There are a lot of people who just throw it up there. Um, you know, I, I like to have that live feel, just like our awkward introduction. Uh, but you know, sometimes they, there's clicks. You know, an awkward silence, just to you know, clean it up a little bit. Just make it a little nice for the peoples. Uh, but how can people Absolutely. how can people follow you? Because I know Starman's on YouTube. It has a Facebook page. Is the, do they just yeah. go, uh, just put that in the search bar, or is there any other special uh, keywords? Or they just because I want to make sure they're not just getting David Bowie songs. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, the best thing to do is go on 
Facebook and, and, and search Starman, and it's going to come up probably in the first couple of searches. If you just go to YouTube and search Starman, you're going to get a bunch of David Bowie and stuff. Uh, so it's on the Facebook page, which is basically all that stuff in Facebook forward slash Starman. Um, or my personal Facebook page is Doug Grean, G-R-E-A-N, with a picture of my dog. So they can find the link there. Um, yeah, just what I what I would like the most is for people to watch it and share it if they like it. And uh, that's it, really. Share it with your people that you think will get it, you know? It, well, people get it. That's what yeah. I've been doing. I, I, I'm not, you know, just blowing smoke. I really, I laughed. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I told you off air, I thought it was well cast. Uh, I didn't know when, because people say web series. Like, you just never know the quality. It's like when they say podcast. I don't know if it's going to sound like you know, two tin cans on a toilet. You just never know what it's going to sound like. But it looked good. Yeah. I, I I really did enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to uh, the next one. And I'll, I'll leave you here. Is there anything that you want Scott to be most remembered for? Because I always say, you know, I grew up on uh, Stone Temple Pilots for the most part. Uh, there was a time where I never thought Axel and Slash share the sta- uh, same stage again. So I saw Axel with Buckethead. You know, okay. Then uh, I had my ticket to see Velvet Revolver. Um, like, this is my first time I'm going to see Slash. What is this going to be like? I went to uh, a show in New Jersey, Starland Ballroom. But I was lucky enough. I mean, I, I have I couldn't do this now because I have a neurological disability. And But when I was younger and a little bit healthier with it, I would go up to a general mission show and be right up against the railing where I can hold on. And as soon as Scott came out, uh, with um, Sucker Train Blues. Dude, my life changed. I'm like, he is... It's it's just like, this is... I remember saying, and I know it's obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek, but I'm like, you are a fucking god. I remember screaming that. I'm like, that's that's what a rock star looks like. And I had idolized Axel this entire time, and when I first see him in person, he's, you know, he has long braids, he's wearing hockey jerseys, he's not... What I grew up with, even though I enjoyed the show, but Scott was like just so much more than I thought. And that's when I really did yeah. deep dives into more STP, uh, his solo stuff. And I, my appreciation for him as a frontman changed that day 100%. And, mm. you know, it obviously broke my heart and many uh, millions of fans across the world's hearts what happened. Uh, but again, sorry for your loss, but if there's anything that you want him to be remembered, for or or what you remember him most for, uh, what would that be? Well, I think everyone should take their own memories and, you know, have them. I don't want to suggest memories to people, but... That's fair. You know, I think I think he'll be remembered for his beautiful singing and his, uh, you know, people really connected to his voice, you know. That's, that's what makes a great singer, you know, the ability to sing on key and then, the, and then if people really connect to your voice. And there's no scientific way to measure that it's just it's either there or it's not so i think he'll be remembered for that um i'll tell you what though i was at that show too man i was probably about 50 feet away from you because i had the, <laughs> <laughs> the side of the stage to run my pro tools rig so i mean i i never would have thought you know all these years later i mean that was before where was i living at the time i don't i think i was maybe still in college uh, during, I forget what year that was. Maybe I can tell, but whatever, wherever I was, I would not think years later I would be talking to you and having this conversation and all the things, good and bad, uh, that's happened between then and now. 
uh, just it just again it just it changed a lot of you know he changed a lot of people's lives and I also say what my best friend at every Christmas party every year he puts on vinyl uh, you know the Scott Weiland Christmas record and that's part that's of nice. yeah it's like every <laughs> yeah. every year I mean it's a beautiful record I was just watching the performance on Jay Leno that was you right did you uh, or was that yeah yeah so I mean. I know you have a lot of wonderful memories with your friend, and that's what I say about to myself about people who I've lost. You know, take the good, and uh, you know, because we only get one shot, and we're lucky to have these people in our lives uh, for a little bit, even though we wish it was longer. You know, we're lucky to have had him when we did. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well said. Thank. I I try. Sometimes I say things that make sense. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. No. no. I, I'd love to be on again in any capacity. So I'll let you know when the second episode is like ramping up promotions and uh, awesome. We can hang out. Awesome. I I really appreciate that, and I look forward to it. And you know, um, yeah. I, I have nothing else to say. I can keep. I can just keep talking to you about these awesome stories. We'll save them for next time. <laughs> uh, so you just yeah. enjoy your day, and uh, it was really nice meeting you. And until next time. Okay, guys. Yep. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thank you, Doug. You take One care. One Doug to another Doug. <laughs> all right. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. All that fun stuff. Bye. Bye. Happy holidays. All right. So now I think we can just go back to calling you Doug since we only have one Doug on the line. <laughs> I have reclaimed my true glory your true dugness one and only doug <laughs> i think i'm going to the ins- only one i'm going to insert the doug theme song right here that's what's going to happen oh no <laughs> i'm sorry so this is the one time i escaped the whole doug <laughs> right joke thing but i'm just going to accept it but uh what did you think about doug i mean he pretty much opened up Right away, I you know I I said to people talking about the interview off the air and we discussed it off the air. I I really didn't know what about Scott we could discuss. He he didn't give me any sort of limitations. I just maybe went into it very careful and very sensitive uh, to it. But he didn't hold back. He was honest. I mean, of course, he said there's certain things he didn't want to get into. I mean, maybe like the dark dark stuff. But I think just in general about his feelings. Uh, he was pretty open uh, about it. What did you What did you think? Yeah, I mean Scott Scott Weiland was a very very complicated man, as a lot of people have put it. Um, uh, I never got the chance to meet him like officially, but you know there's just many sides to him. You know his uh, you know as Doug was saying it, his like changing. He changed him. He just changed so much over the years. His personality and his actual like body type. It was like he's a totally different man you know um he was like in 92 than he was in 2015 and i thought he really opened up a lot it was a great conversation some previously unknown tidbits um that are now out there i mean i thought the whole dr dre thing was pretty funny never pictured scott being a a rap guy i know right (laughs) I, now and especially, and I encourage everyone to uh, to check it out. I mean, I'll, I'll post it along. I'll post a link uh, in it with the, the summary of this episode. But you know, again, just Google Starman the web series. But check out that scene. And now knowing that that was kind of based off what you know Scott trying to get into the rap game, it just it adds another another level 
uh, to it. So, yeah, Starman, the, the series, looking forward to the next episode. And, uh, you know, speaking of, of next episodes, you know, this pretty much does it for episode 96 of Appetite for Distortion. I, I really can't say enough. Of course, thank you, Doug and Doug, for, for, for coming on. I really, you know, I didn't think 96 episodes, almost 100 uh, that we would be talking to Doug Green and, and have a chance to talk with you, you know, about some sci-fi stuff. I, it's a lot of conversations I, I, I'm, we're having I didn't expect to have when we started, uh, you know, over two years ago. And um, some cool news. Um, I don't have to press the sounder. Uh, nothing yet. It's like preliminary uh, talks I had with here, uh, someone here at iHeart. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, this I've mentioned before, this podcast is on the iHeart Radio app. Uh, I work for iHeartRadio, I, I guess uh, specifically Premier Radio Networks, uh, which syndicates uh, a lot of, you know, shows uh, like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Keith Sweat. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm one of the low-level people. But iHeart, I mean, if you read that kind of news, has invested a lot into podcasting uh, the last uh, year or so. And they, uh, the guy who's running the podcast division for iHeart, I've met some of them, but they got uh, one of the like the higher ups. He reached out to me, uh, and he said, "Like I like your, I like what you're doing. I like your podcast. Uh, it's like most podcasts I listen to are are terrible." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" It made me feel good because I just never know, and I appreciate everyone's feedback, all the listeners, whether it's a private message or whether it's you know on, on a post or whatever. I, but to have someone whose job it is to make podcasts and to, you know, on a, a, the highest level, uh, to, to say that the most podcasts don't sound good, uh, the way mine is, uh, the way it's produced, that it's not just another rock podcast. You know, some people at the, the beginning were saying, hey, do you want to do like a Guns N' Roses specific? But I feel like I don't make every episode. Yeah, there could be an episode where it's all GNR. But there can be an episode that focuses a lot on Scott or, or focuses a lot on Jet Boy or, or whatever. Uh, but there's always that GNR tie. So he sees that. He's like, you have a hook that you could talk to anybody, you know, but it makes it a difference. So um, in time, uh, what they tell me is that they would like to kind of help back it and promote it uh, with the, you know, with other iHeart podcasts that are in their uh, their sites. They have like a certain amount of podcasts. He said 12, and he wants me to be one of the 12 to, to promote. Oh. So I don't know like when stuff is going to happen. I know they're, they're kind of switching. And I appreciate any person who tells me when there's like a technical issue. You know, something needs to be edited or if I forget to allow the download option. So along the, the technical side, uh, they need to change my RSS feed at some point to a, a better audio space. Uh, so if you guys ever have a problem downloading, please let me know. But nothing's happening yet. And hopefully make some fucking money off this in the, going forward. And speaking of which, right. we, I'm still uh, working on uh, the T-shirts. I appreciate all the feedback when I post. Uh, it's crazy, Doug. People are actually interested in buying T-shirts of this show. I thought, like, who would want it? But I see the reactions on, on Facebook and Twitter. It makes me feel good, you know, that I'm not just uh, – you know, out there with a T-shirt gun to people who like, don't want it. That be, <laughs> uh, so that's that's still in, I, that's still in the works. I'm still thinking about that. Uh, and as you far as official appetite uh, for distortion action figures, <laughs> who, who would be the action figure? Just me? Uh, you? Um, I don't know. I'll be like uh, I don't know, just a 
collectors. I'll be like Booster from <laughs> Turbo Man. Uh, <laughs> nobody likes you, Booster. Good reference. Good nobody reference. Nobody wants. Nobody wants Booster. Nobody wants Booster. <laughs> good. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yes, good reference. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, but no, it's it, it's very cool and um, that that going forward. But as far as guests are concerned, uh, I have been talking to uh, Billy Rowe from Jet Boy. Uh, he was on before, I forget what number episode, of course, uh, talking about the early days where Guns N' Roses would open up for Jet Boy and vice versa, depending upon if they were playing in San Francisco or, or L.A. Talked about the whole Todd Crew uh, slash um, overdose event. Uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, but they're going to be coming out with a new record, and, and Todd uh, is uh, going to be my co-host. He's looking for a person to interview. Obviously, Todd has met a lot of people over the years, so I we have some thoughts about who he should bring on as a guest, but we'll see what he comes up with. So it'll be Todd Crew plus, excuse me, not Todd Crew, rest in peace, Todd Crew. Uh, it will be Billy Rowe uh, plus special guest in the future. Uh, also, uh, who I, I know Missy Suicide is going to be coming up uh, next month who put on the Suicide Girls tour with Guns N' Roses back in 2006. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, I know there are some fan interviews that I want to get to because a lot of you guys have crazy stories out there, so I want to get back to doing some fun fan profiles. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that's that's where we are right now. There's a lot of other feelers I have uh, out there, and we'll see where it leads us because uh, 96 episodes. I know episode 100 uh, is going to be uh, uh, Doug Goldstein, former manager uh, Doug Goldstein. It's going to be episode... Ah, so many Dougs. What the hell? I know. I know. My God. I, I think you're... The, what is that? You got to... Like... them now. Multiplying. <laughs> so I don't think I can have you co-host that one. That's going to be... I just can't handle it. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, uh, and understandable. I, and I told uh, Doug Goldstein, however he wants to do that episode is up to him. So I'm going to give him like creative control. No, and what, what, we're going to talk about little, a little bit like what we talked about here today. That's opioid addiction and drug addiction because that's uh that's Doug's forte uh, right now working with the charity called Matthew's Hope about um, opioid addiction so uh, we're gonna have some some cool conversations uh, as I guess we always do here on appetite for distortion so um, other Doug is there any way for I guess people to follow you if they just want to talk you know geek to you and maybe follow to see when your graphic novel is gonna come out you know, call me an asshole, whatever they want to do. Uh, you can follow me by Twitter is Douglas J. McCause. So it's M-C-C-A-U-S. Um, that's pretty much my only right on. public uh, social media profile. I have, I'm still figuring out the whole Instagram thing. I don't really know what I'm doing with that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I got all this stuff basically for radio, but it's been uh, fun. I appreciate all the listeners reach out to me, you know, on my uh, Bill Biv Brando Twitter and Instagram. Actually, if you go to my Instagram, um, uh, shout out to Ken from Eastport. He uh, did a Photoshop of my head on the, the naked lady on the GNR Lies cover. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, I don't know... Like, what would the track listing for for me and GNR Lies be? You know, nice Jewish boys or podcast life, terrible GNR jokes, GNR puns. So, yeah, however you reach out to the show, of course, Facebook.com slash the AFD show, uh, at the AFD show on Twitter. You know, find us on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, 
uh, and, and you know, contribute to the show. Just be like Doug. Be a be a co-host. Be a producer, and we'll keep this night uh, this podcast night train a rolling. So that does it for episode ninety six. When are you going to see the next one? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Security, I'm going home.